Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Variety's podcast, Strictly Business, when we talk to some of the brightest minds working in media today. I am Variety's co-editor-in-chief, Andrew Wallenstein. I would have once said my next guest works at a magazine company, the biggest one in the U.S. at that. But the multimedia world the Meredith Corporation operates in today positions them more as a steward of some great brands that may have begun life in print, but now are so much more. John Werther is president of Meredith's National Media Group, which oversees titles like Travel and Leisure, Eating Well, now thanks to the acquisition of Time, Inc., yet more brands like People Magazine. Thanks for sitting down with me, John. Great to be here, Andrew. Thanks for having me. So uh, I'd like to start with Time. Uh, Meredith swallowed a pretty big fish there. I would imagine that is disruptive for a company. It's a lot to take in. So talk about the integration process. I would imagine it's a lot. Uh, the integration process is, has been a lot, but it's going very, very well. And we're really happy um, and, and pleased with the opportunities that these two great companies coming together not only afford us as a combined business, but obviously afford the marketplace as well from an advertising perspective. Uh, we really have a very, very complementary set of capabilities. And as we looked at opportunities in the marketplace, we really concluded that the best uh, way we could check all the boxes that we wanted to check and deliver all the capabilities that we wanted to deliver to consumers and to advertisers was bringing these two great companies together. So the, the integration has gone very, very well. Uh, we've one of the first things we did was we aligned our sales forces together and aligned our go to market and we continue to see the uh, the benefits of that work and uh, we're getting great response from the marketplace um, regarding that go to market and how we're really aligning all of our capabilities and teams to super serve our clients. Before we dig into that integration, though, you also sold off some brands like Time Inc. Sorry, not Time Inc. Time Magazine. What was the decision? What was the filter you guys are applying in terms of what stays or goes? Well, I think it's a couple of things. First and foremost, uh, we are going to continue to focus on our core entertainment, family, food, lifestyle, uh, and home brands. And that's always been our our focus, and we're going to continue to double down there. I think for some of these uh, assets, as we looked at them, uh, we really felt they weren't um, in part core to our strategy going forward, number one. And number two, we felt that there were other uh, companies or owners of these brands that uh, would be able to um, really focus on them uh, and lean into them from an investment perspective and from a operational perspective uh, in a way that would be the best uh, for that brand. I mean, that core business I referred to off the top, magazines, tough times. Just today, we saw some big moves at Hearst Corporation that were reflective of that. What is the general attitude, though, at Meredith? Do you think there's still a lot of life in print? I know we're sitting. Uh, at a conference where you talked a lot about video, but I'm just curious what the philosophy is of that core business. Absolutely, and we think there's still a lot of life left in print. And remember, at the end of the day, we're a, a, a portfolio of brands, and we want our brands and our content and our products to be wherever consumers want them to be. Print is one of our, our key channels. So too is digital, so too is video, so too is connected devices and appliances and cars, so too is social, and so we reach... 175 million consumers every month across our channels. We reach 140 million uh, in digital. We reach 265 million in social. We have 45 million paid subscribers. And we really have a very diversified business uh, that 
really looks to optimize all of our brands from a 360-degree perspective. Scale is great. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious, though, is how do you differentiate yourself in terms of the quality of that audience? What what demos are you focusing on? So from a demo perspective, we have obviously a very strong reach against women overall. Uh, we reach more than 90% of, of all United States uh, women. We reach more than 80% of all millennial women. We reach more than 75% of all Latinas, and we have not insignificant reach against male audiences as well. Uh, so as you, as you say, scale is, uh, is great. What we really are, though, is scale with precision. Uh, scale with precision in terms of the insights and analytics that we bring to bear from a first-party data perspective that can not only shape uh, the media plans uh, and media opportunities that our advertising clients and the agencies that represent them uh, run with us, but also inform strategic decisions for our clients like product portfolio decisions because we understand our consumers to a very uh, deep level. Uh, and that understanding informs our own decisions in terms of the content we create, the products we develop, the new businesses that we enter, and it's really helped us diversify our revenue. So whereas print advertising is still a fairly significant uh, percentage of our ad revenue, Digital ad revenue is growing um, to a very significant extent, and our consumer revenue continues to grow as well, uh, particularly in, in newer areas like commerce, affiliate marketing, brand licensing, etc. And so we continue to focus on advertising and diversifying to more premium forms of revenue that leverage our brands, our insights, and our technology platforms. And same thing on the consumer side, uh, more, more profitable and premium forms of consumer revenue generation that still are a complement to our traditional historical print advertising and uh, print magazine subscription businesses. Enter video, Mm -hmm. which is where you're taking these brands that for uh, many years, over over a century, Meredith goes back, uh, are entrenched in consumer minds at a certain older demographic as print. And so I'm curious, to me, it's the biggest challenge of all, how you translate these to a different medium, to a different audience. Some might suggest it's not even possible. Well, it is possible and we do it every day and it's an important point you're raising. Really, the content has to be created for the channel in which you're reaching the consumer and for the consumer uh, segment that you're reaching. And so we've really focused on creating all of our content and in particular video content for the right channel. And one of the things we announced at our recent uh, new front was uh, leaning into things like Instagram TV and live um, video content, uh, really anchored around not only the people brand from an entertainment perspective, but also our other brands from a food, home, and and lifestyle perspective. Uh, and we really want to be again where the consumer is, and our owned and operated uh, audience accesses Instagram thirty times a day. And so we feel that there's an opportunity with our Instagram-specific Instagram TV video assets, which are configured and created for that platform specifically, is a great way to super serve that audience and appeal to newer audiences that may not be as familiar with our brands. And super serve you are. I mean, 10 series coming to IGTV. And I get what you're saying. There's a natural evolution of your heavy Instagram user base checking out IGTV. Nevertheless, you're not starting with one. You're 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 doing ten. And you know, I've spoken to publishers and and the like who have suggested that there's a lot of hype around IGTV, but also it's so early that 
they're not sure what to make of it. Well, when we decide to explore um, different distribution platforms and channels, we do it with a purpose and we do it with the, the notion that we want to deliver content to consumers where they want to consume it. We want to learn together um, with those consumers and with our partners what's working um, and ultimately use that as a foundation to create to continue to create even better content um, that ultimately grows with with the channel. We were one of the first um, uh you know, publishers to lean into and companies to lean into Facebook Live. It worked really well for us. Uh, we continue to focus on OTT. We continue to focus um, on connected devices. Um, you know, for all recipes, as an example, we were one of the first uh, Alexa skills. We have people content on Echo Show. So we really like to experiment um, with a purpose with these newer um, and more emerging uh, distribution channels, which we found to really be effective in terms of engaging the audiences. We traditionally engage and would also like to engage that we may not be um, as front and center with today. When you made the announcement about uh, the IGTV shows at the New Fronts West, you also talked about the expansion of People People TV as an OTT brand. I was also struck just as much as I was struck by the 10 series move, expanding to four live hours seems to me unusually ambitious for OTT where – talk about early days. It's the earliest of early. Well, we're excited and we're seeing incredible engagement with the, the people brand from a video perspective across channels. At the recent uh, Royal Wedding a couple months ago, we had 70 million views of our coverage of that wedding over a 72-hour period. So we think there's a massive opportunity with our entertainment brands in particular – to really engage and uh, activate and monetize over time uh, that uh, that audience uh, through those channels. So when you think about um, you know People TV, uh, we think it's an incredible opportunity. We're going to build on that foundation with People Now, with Chatter from a daytime and uh, from a uh, you know a prime time perspective, and then also uh, other programming like Jess Cagle interview. Um, and couch surfing and entertainment weekly cast reunions, which we think together with 125 events that we also live stream um, each year uh, will really give us an opportunity to take a leadership position and be the de facto entertainment network uh, for live streaming and beyond. People is a a pretty huge brand that came over with the Time Inc. acquisition. I get why if you're going to go into the OTT space, best to, to lead with that. Are you thinking about it in terms of your other brands, which are no slouches either? Absolutely. And so one of the things you'll see, and we talked a little bit about this at the recent New Front, is that we are going to, um, and we already have uh, leaned into some of our other brands from an OTT and live streaming perspective. Think of food, think of home, think of uh, lifestyle programming beyond entertainment. And those are some of the things that uh, you know we continue to explore um, for brands like Better Homes and Gardens, for Real Simple, All Recipes, um, et cetera. You also mentioned Alexa, which, my God, we're, we're in 2018, aren't we, when we're talking to publishers about what are you doing on voice products. But do you see big opportunities there? Yeah, we're very excited about it. We think it's an it's a, a emerging uh, channel for us. Uh, a significant percentage of searches today are carried out through voice-enabled devices and will continue to be uh, done so that way. And we ultimately look at our brands as um, providing very compelling and useful content to help people – look to achieve what they're trying to achieve on a daily basis or things that are more aspirational and voice-enabled devices and connected appliances and and cars uh, are something that we continue to focus on and believe will be a key part of our 
um, engagement strategy going forward. Key part, you know, looking five, ten years down the road, do you see voice as something that could be as significant as video or print? Um, it wouldn't surprise me. It's it's hard hmm. to uh, you know assess that it's still, as you said, early days, but it's something that that uh, we're excited about and um, we're uh, um, bullish on uh, opportunities. In in terms of the brands that you have uh, prior to the Time Inc. acquisition, mm-hmm. I'm curious: is there any one of them that you think really exemplifies what Meredith is able to do outside print? That's a great question. I would say not only outside print, but within print as well. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, first, um, I would uh, look to a brand like uh, All Recipes um, and brands like Better Homes and Gardens. So Better Homes and Gardens, as an example, is uh, generates uh, – when Meredith as a company really generates uh, – it's the second largest uh, company in terms of uh, brand-licensed product retail sales after Disney. And Better Homes and Gardens is really the key to that. So when you think about that for a second, it showcases the power of that brand um, to engage consumers and be monetized outside of a print experience and outside of an advertising experience. When you look at All Recipes, that was a digital brand that was really desktop first when we we bought it. We ultimately leaned into mobile, made it a mobile first brand, and we've taken that brand to connected devices, and we've also taken it to print. And it's been a really successful print title for us and really has helped us to create an even greater 360-degree brand for consumers. And then one other example in print we, we, we would highlight as well is the Magnolia Journal. And that's a, a brand where our partnership parameters are really within the print medium alone. And that has been an incredible success for us as a company. We've leaned into it from a consumer revenue perspective and to a lesser degree from an advertising perspective. And it's become one of the most profitable brands in the 116-year history of our company within its first year of operation. And we're very, very excited about that. So to your point, we think for all of our brands, there are opportunities, whether it's print advertising, digital advertising, newer premium forms of advertising, commerce, affiliate marketing, brand licensing, lead generation, uh, other forms of consumer revenue like paid products and memberships, that each one of these core brands has the permission uh, to play in and to ultimately participate in as a, a brand in the marketplace. And we're seeing a lot of success from all corners of the media ecosystem with a lot of these uh, these brands that we have, whether they pre-existed the transaction with time or they joined the company as part of our transaction time. I, I get, you know, the, the diversification strategy mm-hmm. here. I'm still curious that whether Meredith takes a particular point of view with regard to the long-term viability of print. In other words, do you guys feel, no, 10 years from now, we still expect to be in this business? We do. And I think, remember, we have to look at print and, and that medium is one of the channels in which we operate. And there is a an advertising component to that and a consumer revenue component to that. And so we believe that, you know, print is is not going to disappear. Uh, we believe in it. We believe it's one of the channels that we need to continue to to operate in and that our consumers really enjoy that channel. Um, and what's going to be interesting is now Gen Zers uh, enter the life stages that we serve. They're getting their first uh, place to live. They're moving out on their own. They're finishing school. They're getting their first job. They're thinking about getting married. They get married. They have a kid. Though All of those stages people are entering in and what we're seeing is that uh, there's still a role for all of our media 
in those life stages. Um, and so that's exciting to us. It, what you're saying almost brings to mind, I believe it was the new owner of the Los Angeles Times likening print to record vinyl that still has a place at the table. Would you – I think to me, vinyl is a little more niche than I would expect, you know, print to be. Um, mm-hmm. We're seeing it. I mean, some of our most engaged audiences are leading and trailing millennials um, with that medium. Um, so, I, to me, I look at vinyl. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. My my brother's a big uh, vinyl collector, but to me, that seems like a, a lot more niche than I would expect uh, print uh, to be ten years from now. And of course, Meredith, as we've talked about in this conversation, very active uh, on the acquisition front. Uh, Time Inc. gets sold off. Some others were probably going to go out the door as well. I'm curious though, once you get on the other side of that, is Meredith still in an acquisitive mode? Do you still see consolidation as something that's going to affect your industry? Yeah, we expect that uh, you know consolidation will continue to occur, and we like being in the position of being a consolidator. And uh, ultimately, as opportunities present themselves, we're always considering opportunities at all times. I would expect us to continue to explore opportunities to add to our portfolio, whether from a product perspective, from a uh, brand perspective, from a category perspective, from a uh, new revenue stream um, perspective, anything that's going to continue to diversify and strengthen our relationships with consumers and advertisers, uh, I think will be something that we would uh, we consider so long as it's something that we feel we can sustainably grow profitably. On that note, are there gaps you're looking to fill places where build or buy, you want to get there and you're not there? Well, I think every company has gaps and we feel we've filled a lot of the gaps that we had um, with our combination with time. Um, we ultimately want to scale. Video is a place we really like to continue to scale. We have a, an incredible amount of uh, engagement there. Uh, we think there's a lot more upside in terms of the monthly uh, video views um, and uh, monetizable video views that we can generate uh, across all the channels in which we operate. And, and that, I think, is an example of an area that we're going to look to continue to build out. Together, we're stronger than either one of us was before, but we think there's a, an even bigger opportunity for us to scale uh, our video assets um, going forward. In another way, the Meredith time combination reminds me a bit of what AT&T and Time Warner are going through in terms of just the sensibility of the brands. Uh, I think Meredith, for instance, is known for – wholesome feels like the wrong word but not a bad word to use. Then when the Time Inc. stuff comes in, uh, you start to get maybe – uh, a little more outside what I would consider the traditional brand definition and just in the same way that Time Warner changes the complexion of AT&T with content like HBO. Do you see the brand complexion of Meredith changing as a result of this or are you guys the same brand you were before? No, I think it, we, we do continue to evolve from a brand and category perspective. I think by combining our two companies – we are thought of more as an entertainment and beauty-focused company than we ever were before. Um, as an example, I think from a entertainment lifestyle, food, home, and family perspective, I think we're without peer, and uh, that's very exciting for us. Um, but absolutely, one of the reasons we uh, were excited about coming together as a company is we felt it would uh, expand our opportunities to cover a broader range of categories for consumers that we serve and advertisers that we serve. And I think we're seeing that um, play itself out. And it's really been a very, very complementary um, uh, transaction. I can't really think of an area where 
um, both companies were equally strong in a core component of our business. So, for example, when you look at content-driven commerce, at Meredith, historically, we focused at the very bottom of the funnel um, through commerce, affiliate marketing, et cetera, affiliate links within content. On uh, the Time Inc. side, the focus was more on content to drive commerce. And now we've put those two together. And so throughout that funnel, from a content perspective all the way down through the transaction, we think we're a much stronger company than ever before. And we're generating hundreds of millions of dollars a year in retail sales for our partners. And we only expect that to grow. So I think it's an example of an area where we had complementary strengths, and it's one of many where together we're much stronger now than either one of us was before. You mentioned the affiliate links, and that is obviously something that a lot of publishing companies are mm-hmm. looking at right now. Mm-hmm. I'm curious you know, how aggressive you're looking to be there. I, I hear a lot about the shoppable format. Yep. Is that a place where you're playing as well? And explain what that is. Sure, absolutely. So from we, we're looking to make all of our um, media shoppable um, from video to print to digital. Um, we are leaning in uh, to that regard because we think it provides a value to consumers. And we are inspiring our content leads, um, are inspiring consumers to transact. And ultimately, uh, we're providing value to consumers in that regard. We want to make sure the right products and uh, um, content are in front of them. Um, and ultimately, we facilitate that transaction. We want to make sure we're capturing our fair share of the inspiration that we uh, we create and the transactions that we facilitate. And in terms of what you're doing just in general with affiliate commerce, though, are there particular instances with particular brands where it's like you got to see what we're doing here? Sure. So one of the great, again, complimentary things that we've done is we have a, a very successful set of storefronts that we've set up um, within a lot of our brands, and we're actually extending those to the newer brands that have entered our portfolio like people, like uh, Entertainment Weekly, InStyle, et cetera. We are going to create um, a, a larger commerce uh, play, an affiliate marketing play among those brands, in addition to looking to extend uh, our brands from a brand licensing perspective into online and physical retail. I got to say, as I, as I listen to this, in general, I think of what must be operationally Unbelievably complicated when you consider now 40 brands uh, all seem to be highly diversified, doing things on lots of different platforms. I mean even – I obviously work for a publishing company as well and I see the dance of like balancing or juggling I should say video and print and social and all that. How are you guys adapting to this reality? Well, it is complicated as you you mentioned. At the end of the day, we have an incredibly talented leadership team and employee base, and that's one of the things that excites me the most because at the end of the day, that's our uh, real secret sauce, I think, is the, is the incredibly smart and talented employees that we have and their ability to multitask and focus on a number of different opportunities at once, mm-hmm. whether they be brand-led, whether they be product-led, whether they be consumer revenue-driven, whether they be um, advertising-led. and. That's ultimately what we're seeing. We've got a lot of new ideas and great ideas with bringing these two companies together where we've been able to take existing products to a different level, existing monetization opportunities to a different level, and leverage the collective capabilities that each of the companies that's come together had. In certain many places, Time Inc. brands were stronger than Meredith brands, and in many places, the Meredith brands and and business was stronger. And together, we're, we're just finding a lot of opportunity from a revenue growth perspective and from a margin improvement perspective 
that excites us. But it really comes down to focus. Um, it comes down to recognizing what businesses are really core, what brands are core, um, what businesses and products truly have the ability to be sustainable growth engines that are profitable for the company, um, and, and focusing on those and leveraging the best-in-class talent that we have to really unlock the, the fullest um, sense of those opportunities for us. How would you describe – because you know Meredith is a company because it's in Des Moines, Iowa, and I'm a, a New York, L.A. kind of guy I don't have much exposure to. And I'm just curious, you know, how do you define what the Meredith culture is from a corporate perspective? Does the Time Inc. acquisition change that, if you could describe that? Well, I think at Meredith, we've always been a company. We're a very collaborative company. Uh, we've been a company that's very results-oriented, very team-oriented um, where uh, we really look to capitalize on opportunities as a team um, and we look to engage with each other to try to resolve any challenges that we have. And one of the things that's been interesting to me is I've found you know, a lot of people asked us as our two companies came together, Meredith and Time, are you expecting a real significance um, in cultural differences? And based on my early interaction with folks, I really didn't, and that's played out. We really have a very, very aligned um, culture. I think everybody is excited to be part of a, a larger company um, that offers an amazing array of, of brands, content, and products to consumers and advertisers and really can see um, the success that we feel that we have not only today but ahead of us going forward. And we found it to be you know, very, very seamless, I think much more seamless than probably the the marketplace expected it to be um, out of the gate. And uh, that's one of the things that really excites me a lot is our cultural alignment. And I, I guess I made it an almost joking reference, but I am honest to God curious about the Iowa of it all. As you guys get bigger, isn't it sort of inevitable? Well, you know, headquarters have to move to New York or something like that. I think we found sort of having our, our, our headquarters in Des Moines from a corporate perspective and really having our core advertising um, um, and content uh, creation efforts, not only in uh, New York, but also in Des Moines and now in Birmingham with um, some of the brands we've added and the facility that we have there, we found a great balance. And I think culturally, our our employees are fairly, um, fair, really aligned, I would say, in, in LA, uh, in Seattle as well. We haven't seen it. And so I think we have that um, that collaborative uh, ethos. We have that team-oriented culture in all the offices that we're in. Um, and so if that makes us a little more Des Moines across all of our um, uh, you know, cities in which we operate, we think that's a great thing. One last question. You know, We've talked a lot about the different ways Meredith is innovating, and we touched on data. Yes. Uh, could you talk about sort of the role of data science in Meredith? My guess is it probably didn't even exist at Meredith two or three years ago. Well, one of the first things – I joined the company six and a half years ago and um, my first operating role that they moved me into was overseeing um, part of our uh, – a good chunk of our digital business and ultimately the entire digital business. And one of the first things that we did um, with that was we centralized all of our data science and business analytics teams. We had – teams sitting within consumer marketing. We had teams sitting within um, advertising. We had teams sitting within research. We had teams sitting within the brands. And we centralized all of those teams because what we wanted to do was we wanted to harness all of those insights and analytics on behalf of our entire business 
from both an advertising and consumer revenue perspective and be able to bring the full weight of those insights and analytics and that proprietary first-party data to bear for our advertising clients, agencies that represented them, and the partners that we work with at the most strategic level. So that's something we did probably close to four or five years ago. And we really think it's it's helped us, and it's one of the things that's going to continue to differentiate Meredith. We hear all the time from our uh, clients that one of the things that excites them about working with us is not only that our first-party data and insights can help inform their media plans, which are, of course, important, but they're also helping inform their product portfolios and their product decisions. So when you can do that as a company, um, you become a very strategic partner to marketers um, and the agencies that represent them, but particularly marketers, because you're ultimately helping them um, mini- minimize the risks that could be potentially associated with a, a decision they may or may not make, or to sort of narrow the range of potential outcomes um, and optimize for areas that they have the chance to be more successful. And we've helped numerous companies launch new products. Uh, we've helped numerous companies not launch new products by alerting them to the fact that we've taken a look at this and we think this trend has peaked. Um, a great example is um, Overnight Oats. We saw that trend six months probably before anyone else did. Hmm. And we were able to partner with uh, one of our key clients to identify that new use case, you know, oatmeal as a power food. Um, and we're constantly seeing those opportunities in our uh, portfolio across all categories. And that's something I think that Again, taking that centralized view and harnessing all of our data and insights together on behalf of uh, advertisers is really powerful. And by the way, we leverage those same insights and platforms and capabilities for our own business because we are a a, a consumer-first company. We have our own brands and our own experiences that are incredibly important to us that we've built incredible equity in over 116 years, and those are critically important. And so the same insights and capabilities that we leverage ourselves – or we try to leverage for our partners and clients. Well, I got a feeling this is an area that's really just beginning to evolve, uh, not just at your company, but at many others. Thank you for sharing with us uh, about the Meredith world today. We appreciate you coming in, John. Andrew, thanks so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. This has been another episode of Strictly Business. Tune in next week for another helping of scintillating conversation with media movers and shakers. And please make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear future episodes. Also, leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Strictly Business.